Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, and Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. All right, we are in here. Back on Green Room. Been a couple of weeks, guys. What's up? It's Bobby Manning. Uh, we're going to get this rolling here. We're going to take some uh, chats here. Looks like quite a few of you in the room already. Appreciate Ahmet holding it down here. And we will have Ace Sherrod Blakely and Jimmy Toscano joining us in just a few minutes. Uh, we got Team USA uh, discussions here. I'm still waiting on an update on Jason Tatum. If, uh, if anyone has seen that already and wants to throw it in the chat, go ahead. But I think... Uh, USA was fairly quiet about uh, how things are going with his knee there. I'm sure it's nothing too crazy, but you never know. So we'll keep an eye on that. That's obviously the biggest Celtics news floating around out there. As far as other things, uh, we have Jason Tatum talking to Gary Washburn in the Boston Globe today. And as I wait for uh, Jimmy Toscano and A. Sherrod Blakely to join us here, I'm going to read a few sections from this. Um, and this is stuff John I know would love. Obviously, John's not here today, but uh, the passiveness of Tatum when it comes to the direction of the Celtics and where the Celtics are going and decisions they're making as an organization. I think a lot of us picture Tatum pulling strings behind the scenes and making demands and going into Danny's office and demanding certain players and stuff gets done. And obviously, what he's saying in interviews and press conferences and things like this are only you know, a picture of how Tatum's actually feeling. But again and again, I read quotes from him. I hear him say things in these pressers. I, I just see the way Tatum carries himself. And it's so hands-off. Uh, you know, he's happy with Udoka, but he was never calling shots and making recommendations about who's coach. He, he might have said a few things, but he was never saying you have to hire this guy, you have to bring in this guy on the coaching staff and stuff like that. So it sounds like Ime Udoka was the Celtics' choice. Tatum's, he's not thrilled about it. He doesn't hate it. it he's just wishing Udoka the best of luck here as head coach. Uh, so if you think the players had issues with Brad Stevens, doesn't sound like they had all that much of a passionate view of what the replacement should be. Uh, so that's, that's my first impression there. Later in this interview, Washburn asks him about being the cornerstone of the Celtics, that $30 million guy, the face of the franchise, uh, a point guard, frankly, this last year or so. And the way that Tatum responded was so interesting to me. I'm going to pull up this quote word for word here because it blew my mind the way he responded to this question, even as passive as Tatum is when it comes to his persona. Um, basically gave the sentiment of it is what it is that's the position i'm in now he said i've got to embrace it because i'm invested and i'm a part of all of this and i embrace just having my hands on i got a feel for things going on with the team and the organization and i think it's only right 
Like, yeah, I'm the cornerstone for now. We'll see where it goes. It's just a casualness that, you know, I think other stars in this league have shown. I, I think it puts you in a position where you're not necessarily married to your team or your situation and you're not doing the Irving thing where you say you want your jersey in the rafters so if something goes wrong one day, all of a sudden you're getting bottles thrown in your head when you're coming back. Um, but you would like at this stature in his career to at least have him be showing a little more confidence in like his role in this organization and what the the perks and benefits and the the voice you get in an organization when you become that caliber of a player in this league. And Jimmy, I, I, I'm pulling you in here now on this. Yeah. Like, did you read this interview? It was, the casualness of Tatum is just really started to shock me at this point, just in terms of like, yeah, it is what it is when it comes to where the team's going. Because we think he, him and Brown have strong opinions on these things, and it doesn't seem like they do. I'm not really that shocked. I mean, this is kind of who Tatum has been. I mean, he's been very, I feel like, very passive over over his career. At least, like, I don't mean on the court, but with the media. And, I mean, he's, he's definitely not the rah-rah guy. Um, he hasn't been in the position really prior to the season where he's had to be the leader. Um, and I haven't – and I, trust me, I've been looking for it. I'm, I'm, I'm – like most Celtics fans, I, I love it when – guys show you know passion and pride especially in you know pride of wearing the jersey and all that stuff that fans you know go gaga about and I think that's one of I think that's a lot of the hesitancy with with at least maybe some fans is that they haven't really seen that yet with Tatum and Brown yeah there are spurts um but to what you you know to what you just said about you know Tatum's response on you know, being the guy and, you know, how we pretty much was like, you know, that's, you know, that's the position I'm in now, you know, I've got to embrace it. Now we weren't there for it. So I don't know how it sounded coming out of his mouth. And I don't know if he, if he was, you know, pumped about it or smiling. I'm sure he was. Um, but you got to show it. You got to, you got to show it on the court. You got to show it off the court. You have to have opinions. You have to be harsh on yourself and on your teammates, but not, not in a disrespectful way, in a way that shows leadership and shows, you know, maturity and things like that. Um, I, I did think that he was, ha- I did read the article. I, I did, I did read one quote that um, it seemed like he was pretty happy with the hiring. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he would have been happy with a different hiring too. I don't, I don't think he was like banging the table. Like it's gotta be Ime. It's gotta be Ime. But he did say in the article that he was extremely happy about it. So um, I think it was a good high. I think it was, I think they were part of it. I think Tatum and Brown were part of it. Maybe a little bit more than they were letting on, maybe not. But it feels like Ime was the Celtics' first choice. And if Brown and Tatum had any say in it, I would imagine he was pretty high up on their list too. So, yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, he was distancing himself a little bit from, you know, the decision and the fact that, you know, it's not his job to, to do those things. You can look at it two ways. You can look at it one one that, you know, show a little bit more interest in the coaching hire, but two, it's like, He's more interested in just – hopefully he's more interested in just balling out. Um, you know, that's what I'm hoping, uh, you know, he meant by it. So, yeah, Johnny there's a couple in the different chat. ways to look at it. I like what Johnny said in the chat. You you do prefer this to <laughs> demands of trading seven future first-round picks for a guy like George in order to keep a guy here. And, you know, Harden, I thought, made some crazy demands in Houston that went from one place to the other that just completely destroyed that – 
franchise's flexibility in future before he ultimately just got up out of there. Um, I guess the positive to this approach to things is that uh, he, he does have a sense that he just wants to go on the floor, do what he has to do. And I don't even think the notion that he could demand a trade at any time has crossed his mind or mm-hmm. has, 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 you know, become something that he's thought deeply about at this point. And demand a trade. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, I, hope, I, I don't think that's not. even something that's crossed his mind is no, something I, he would I, even I, potentially do in the future. I mean, I, I don't think that's something that he's, that he's thought about. No, I mean, it's still very, very, you know, he's, I don't think it's at that point. No, not even Which is close. good. I mean, that's my point here is I think a lot of this is pretty authentic. I, th- I think this is who Tatum is and there's some positives to it and there's some negatives to it because ultimately the Celtics want some clarity on what makes them happy. Like, what are you looking for here, Tatum? Because like, <laughs> you right. know, like deep down inside, there probably are certain things that he wants to see here that make him tick and that excite him. And, you know, you do kind of get a sense of those – what those things are. He loves the association with other stars in the league. He loves the praise from a guy like Durant. Um, I think he loves the prospect of being able to team up with a guy like Beal from his childhood. Like, I think that kind of stuff excites him. So I think as we still have that discussion, that's in a pretty clear view of a thing that uh, they can emphasize and would potentially bring him back on another contract after this one. And that all NBA thing, I mean, that, that bothered some people that I was listening to the last few days that he was fixated on that. But we've talked about that. Like, if you lose $30 million because of one all-NBA team vote, like, that, that, it's reasonable for a guy to be pretty pissed off about that. He yeah, I don't be. know. Sherrod, do you want to jump in? Yes, he should be. I mean, $30 million, I don't care who you are or how much money you, you earned or, or had, $30 million is $30 freaking million. Uh, that is that is not lunch money. That's like you know lunch money for a country. Uh, so <laughs> he, he should be bothered by that. But I, I wanted to go back to uh, just the, the quotes from the the, the, uh, the Gary Washburn story. And and, and Bobby, I'm, I'm gotta push back a little bit on, on here. I, I think this was actually in, in that particular quote. That was like one of the few times where Tatum actually seemed like he was taking a position. Uh, when he said that I've got to embrace this because I'm invested and I'm part of all of this. And then he goes on to say that I got to feel for things going on with the team and the organization. And I think it's only right. Tatum is saying, to me, I took that as him saying, you know what? I'm here. I got a role. I know what the hell's going on. And that's the right thing to be happening that I know what's going on. And I have a hand in all this. I think Tatum is slowly but surely figuring out and embracing yeah, the fact it, that he to be more of a leader and to me it's 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 refreshing for me it was refreshing to hear that because i would have i would have anticipated him saying something to the effect of well you know i'm here and things are going good and the organization they're going to do what's in the best interest of the organization and i'm just going to go along with that that's what i would have expected that's not what he said though and and to me and again i think tatum is figuring his stuff out and i i you know he's you know going on year four of being a teenager and it's things are starting to click, starting to click. Yeah, I think the I think the maybe it was just the wording. Like I've got to embrace it. Like, like it's almost like he has no choice but to embrace it. I, it's the way you read it, I guess. But I mean, it, it yeah. is. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm <laughs> not gonna read it either way. Yeah, I'm not gonna dissect because I wasn't there for it, and I'm sure. I'm sure we. I just we, I just we know how Tatum has talked about day. these things in the past. Yeah. 
I mean, that's right. sort of the approach. He's he's every single question, even in recent months, about like where's this team going. It's like, oh, that's not my job. Right. Well, I no, think he, right. No, I think part of Tatum's issue is that he he. I think Tatum deep down believes that everybody within the organization has a lane to navigate, a road to travel. He's to me. He, he's he's low key. Belichick, do your job. He's that guy. Just do your job. If everyone does their job, we're good. And in his mind, I don't have to get on management about doing their job. I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to motivate guys to make open jump shots. I shouldn't have to motivate guys on a rookie contract to play as if they're on a 10-day contract because they could easily be shipped out to who knows where tomorrow. I shouldn't have to do all that because – that's not my job. My job is to play this game and lead by example and do all those things. No one told me, no one says that I have to be a vocal, demonstrative, get up in people's face, cussing and screaming to get them to do things. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. That's not what got me to the league. That's not why I'm an all-star. And what he is starting to learn slowly but surely is that what you did to get here, you still, just like you've got to elevate your game over time you got to elevate your leadership elevate your role and that requires you to modify and change and tweak some things and i think tatum is starting to figure that out and i think this time with team usa is the beginning of what i think will be a transformative jason tatum over the next two or three years that will look very different than the jason tatum we've seen up to this point yeah i mean i i would agree um it's it's just part of the bumps bumps in the road of being a young player and being a, a young superstar player. You're going to, you're going to have the, the um, magnifying glass on you and your role is going to, you know, it should be this way. It's your, your role should get bigger each year and, you know, players come and go. And if you're a constant on the team, then yeah, you do have to embrace it because I mean, you're, you're too talented to not be the face of the franchise and not be the leader. Um, and it doesn't mean that you have to change your personality or change who you are, but you do need to, be there in the good times, be there in the bad times, you know, be, be accountable. You know, you want to, you want to be able to be named to one of those all teams. That's, that's fine. But on, on the, on, at the same time, if you guys go out there and suck, you know, for a week straight, you know, you can't get all pissy and get upset about, you know, the criticism either. I mean, that's again, part of being, a, part of being a star player in this league. So, you know, those are the things that all come along with it. And I think some people are a little turned off by him going back to, all NBA team because it's it it that's a that's a personal that's a you know a one player achievement you know we should, really should be pissed at is how disappointing the team was this year you know because he does say in the quote it's not about the money obviously it, it, you know he's gonna have to say that but if it's if it's just about accolades and awards I mean the only award that you really should care about is the ultimate award which is you know going on right now and you know you guys aren't even close to to being in that game so that, that, yeah. that's why and, people and, were kind and, of turned you off hope, you hope that's one of the lessons on there too is the definitive connection between a lot of those awards and accolades and how your team does you know you're not going to be as likely if you're the playing team in the east to be on the all nba team or you know be one of the most improved players any of these different variety of awards that you can end up looking at here so mm-hmm. i think a lot of this stuff does show some level of running here but i you know, we'll we'll see how it's all played out on the court because ultimately, I care less about the statements and how Tatum's carrying himself and stuff he's saying, and 
all that kind of thing and more about how he's going to develop as a passer and a playmaker and these different kind of things that we'll see play out um, on the floor right now. And unfortunately, I, I don't think we'll see a ton of that on Team USA because there's just better players around him to do those sort of things. And his role is just going to kind of be to, um, you know, take shots, score, feed off these other stars here. And, uh, you know, hopefully you'll see him play a little defense too. And man, he was so bad at the end of that Australia game. I mean, two guys cut right to the basket by him. One of them, he wasn't even looking at his guy and he just went right around him and scored the two key baskets of that game were scored on him down the stretch. And these are the things from last year that still remind me of this team, uh, the Celtics team, when I'm watching this USA team. And it's not just because he's out there. You know, I think you have a lot of guys that are playing casual defense on that team, uh, not dedicated all that much to playmaking and a lot more reliance on isolation. And what you talked about earlier, Jimmy, that hunt for fouls. Um, I think it was Chris Haynes who wrote, uh, you know, covering this Team USA, that guys were staring down refs and furious that they weren't getting the foul calls. Yeah, and, you know, it letting it letting it seep into their defensive posture. It, like every everything from those first two games, along with like losses to teams that were just shocking as we went through last year. Like it was like watching the Celtics every yeah. single night this year. It was, it was, and it, it certainly doesn't make you want to turn on for the next exhibition game because we're, I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm still, I'm still licking the wounds from, from the season. I, I, I'm not ready for a continuation of it. So if this is the style of basketball that we have to watch, then I just might, uh, I might have to click it off until uh, we get a better indication that these guys are, have come to play because like you said, it's, it's like, oh, it's the exhibition. It's not the real thing. Well, they said that the Celtics said that all regular season, and we know where that got them. So uh, you just can't have that mentality. The, the, the world is so much better at basketball now than it was 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, where you just can't take games off against, you know, country X. Let's take some calls, Bob. We got, you know, and assuming anyone's raised their hand. Yeah, here, here's my thing about the USA experience. We're always going to get mad when they don't win and it's going to be an outrage machine when they lose. Um, Cause you know, they don't just have to win. There's that expectation that they get a win by 20, 30 points and fall in line with those past teams there. But I'm just not invested like that. You know, obviously you're going to expect them to win gold, but I'm not personally affronted or invested in like the patriotism of it and all that kind of stuff and want to see them destroy the world. I actually frankly like a situation like 2019 where they're pretty par with the rest of the field. They'll have to go through some adversity, I guess, as we've seen here. And if they can win in the end, it's not like, oh, no one believed in the U.S. and they won it all. But, you know, it was a pretty fair fight here. There were some pretty good other teams involved. And they actually had to fight and play hard a little bit and figure stuff out to win it all. Like, that's kind of what I want to see out of the Olympics. I do, too. I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I'm not going to put too much stock into these first couple games I understand that you know these guys are just getting together and it's been a long it's been a long two seasons for them so um you know and it it it, it'll take a little bit of time and I think they're realizing that and and again we we saw a little bit different style of play tonight um against Argentina where I think these guys kind of got it like okay like we're we're not gonna (laughs) we're not gonna drop three in a row here you know so you know hopefully 
this is the trend that you want to see. Bobby, are you getting any requests to speak or, or no? Our guy Hugh in the chat here was asking to be added, but I don't see him in the room anymore. Um, I don't know if we're getting glitches or I don't. I'm... Oh, all right, here we go. Chris A is going to hop on with us. I don't think we've talked to Chris before. Hey, how's it going, guys? What's up, Chris? What's up? Uh, I was just listening to um, some podcasts about the off season, um, and with this whole Bradley Beal thing, I think um, we have an opportunity to trade with Utah to get um, their small forward, Joe Ingles, because they can't afford Mike Conley, and he's on a one-year $18 million deal. What do we think about doing a signing trade with Evan Fortier to, to Utah for Sherrod, about the same money. Can you mute yourself, Sherrod, if you're... If you're... Yeah, so so what a signing trade with Utah. Who would be coming back to the Celtics? Uh, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles is on a one-year deal. So we'd be able to only have him for one year, keep that space open for a potential Bradley Beal trade, but they get a good player, we get a good player, but on a lesser on a, a shorter contract. Who do they yeah. get? And Utah, Utah could bring in Fournier and like a three four oh, year Fournier. deal or something like that, and have him and maybe save a little bit term. of money. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that would be smart, uh, especially since the Celtics would be in a good place to take on Ingles as a rental. Um, he is. He would be a perfect fit for the Celtics, and and you even watched the Australia USA game. Um, from the other day, uh, he he like he 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 just is that kind of guy like Hayward almost. I think he's really Gordon Hayward s player uh, who can be like a secondary ball handler, make plays off of the point guard and the other guys who are ball heavy guys, and also just knock down shots like crazy off the catch. Um, I think he's a strong finisher. And he's a fine defender. I don't think he really swings you too much either way there, which isn't too different from Fournier. Um, but I love his game. I really do. We talked about him a little bit on the show there and just how awesome it is to see him unleashed on Australia every single time that they're coming together as a team. He's almost the face of that team for me. Um, and Definitely. they're going to be probably the biggest threat to the U.S. to win it all here, them or Spain. Um, so I love that idea. I got to look at the numbers it just because – with any of these sign and trades, and you know I love them, Jimmy. Like I, my dreams, oh, yeah. that Lowry one. I, <laughs> you get hard caps, and they have a little bit of wiggle room here under the hard cap. I'd say probably about like. So I thought it was million. the other, te- like the team that's acquiring the sign and trade gets hard capped. No, I think if you're bringing in a player the other way too, um, in that case it would be Ingles. You'd be getting hard cap too. Because um, then essentially you could be acquiring anybody in the league just by sending out your free agents. Um, so that's kind of like the counter there in the rules. Like you can't just trade your free agents anywhere and get guys back on as insurance. It's kind of a, a caveat there. So I do like that idea. I'm just going to have to check on the numbers and see if that lines up. But I do – I like the idea that you don't just want to let – go for nothing right now if their teams with cap space or without cap space around the league who want them and have to give something up to get them um you know so he's on 12 million i think that's more than feasible um you have a little bit of wiggle room here if you maybe send out another guy to utah 
question would be, what is Utah hard capped at? Because I know a lot of people throw Dinwiddie's name around. If you were going to do a sign-and-trade with the Nets, it'd really be impossible for the Nets to pull it off just because of how much salary they have. So there's a couple of things you got to look at there, but I really like that idea as a trade, and I do think it could work for both teams. But, you know, Utah might just say, we're just going to keep Ingles and keep running this thing back here after next year. That would probably be the only thing that would prevent it. I think the one thing about Ingles is that he's getting old. Like in the playoffs, he got hunted a little bit. Um and Fournier is younger and better. But the great thing about Ingles is that he's getting older. He'll be cheaper future years out, right? So if we're trying to make this grand plan where we get, like, some Bradley Beal or some other, like, great player, we might be able to get him for a more reasonable deal while Fournier will still be making 17, 18 mil a year over the next like four years since he's only like 28 I want to say yeah he's up upper 20s yeah that's the risk that's that's the risk is 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 re-signing Fournier and then not being able to get rid of I guess get rid of that deal deal does become I like the line of thinking here I don't think this trade works exactly like I just Mm -hmm. think there's too many things going on here to make it work uh for both sides but I I love and I threw out Ubre I actually thought he was on an expiring deal he's a free agent right now um a guy like that if he had one year left on his deal and you were just going to be taking a rental essentially and giving back Fournier to another team with more long-term security if that's what the other team was looking for um I think that's the right idea here even if it's I know you didn't necessarily like Uber as a player Jimmy but even if it's a worse player you just want to have a player who can be in your rotation rather than just losing Fournier and having nothing to replace right. him cuz exactly. we we saw how this team looked without him early in the year when they were playing Sammy and Romeo was out and Neesmith was really struggling it was it was rough and I know you want to develop some of these young guys but if these young guys aren't it ultimately you do want to have something reliable out there so you can be competitive but then you just run the risk of now you have if Beal becomes available now you have to you have to get rid of these no, guys. No, you want a you guy might... who's going to expire after this right, year. Right, right. So okay, I got you. I, I agree with you there for sure. And that's going to be the problem with the TP too. Like I know a lot of people like Larry Nance, but he's got two years left on his deal. Uh, so how are you going to get rid of that money if it comes down to that deal plan? And, you know, maybe you just end up seeing this TP expire in mid-August um, when that deadline finally comes around. So uh, the Celtics going to – like th- these dates are coming fast and furious for the Celtics to – you know, do something here and start to show us what path they're going to take. I'm not sure if I'm that worried about um, signing people for out years just because we see in a lot of these, like, bigs, like superstar signings, if a team needs to clear space, you can clear space. But do you right? really want Especially to get if you're on a good contract. Picks? But, but if they're, they're on a good contract, if they're on a – like, Larry Nance is on a solid contract. I think he's only making, like – Less than ten mil, and he's like a good defender, like big size. Like I listen to podcasts. Sure. Every team wants Larry Nance because he's cheap and he's good for. He's like Marcus Morris when he was making whatever peanuts on our team, right? Yeah, I mean, if, oh, so, I mean, if you can get a guy on a good deal, then yeah, there's no risk. But if you have to pay, I, I'm just talking about Celtics players only. Like, okay. I don't know how easy it is to, is to be to flip Fournier or 
if smart if they decide they want to extend smart you know is there a big market for market smart or or and, you know, and at that point you're limited in which teams are going to be able to acquire him and i don't know if it's i just don't know if it's worth the risk do you, do you, if you put if you possibly lose out on beal because you signed fournier or a player you know of his caliber yeah, no, his point's deal. valid though. Like you can always find a way to you can, dump but you're gonna have eventually. But you're gonna have to attach, attach stuff, picks yeah. too. Yeah, so like, I'm, how I'm many trying more to think of <laughs> well, when they were getting Kemba, the amount of stuff that they had to do. Looking back on it, that was kind of rough. Uh, they they dumped Baines for essentially nothing to Phoenix, yeah, and um, they moved back off of both ultimately Matisse Thybul and. Um, who was the other guy in that draft that John loves? Brandon Clark. Um, to get a guy who was making less money, and that guy ultimately was Grant Williams. Um, and Carson Edwards. They got picked that ended up being Edwards too. So those navigating moves to get Kemba in there way back when where it did not go too well. So you do kind of run the risk of having to be forced to do some stuff down the line if you want to clear that space that you don't necessarily want to do. Um, and that's the tricky thing. You have Horford now, too. This usually doesn't work well for you. Um, the fact that a guy's non-guaranteed money or your guaranteed money, not your non-guaranteed money, is what counts in a trade. Um, the good thing for the Celtics is if they do want to trade Horford next summer, it would only be going out as $14 million, only the not, uh, the guaranteed part of his contract. So they wouldn't have to dump $26 million of Horford next season. So that, that makes him a lot easier to move and then gets to that uh, Robson area that you talked about, Jimmy, where you could probably just squeeze Rob in at that point if you could dump uh, Horford's whole contract, which – you know, it's like, like, again, that's why I was so right. excited about the Kemba Horford trade because not only is Horford probably the best player or the most steady player that you could have gotten back for Kemba, um, but also like that second year of the contract being non-guaranteed was huge. That's the only reason we're talking about Beal. Yeah. So do you think we extend Rob this offseason? If we think no. we can move Al Horford, or do we just got to wait? If you can get a good number, like let's say, could they extend them for like six <laughs> million a year? I don't know. I, like, I, just, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like how little is he going to take? Do I don't think there's going to be a number that they both think is right. Like Rob's probably going to want to bet on himself, have right. a huge year, get out there, um, and the Celtics are probably going to be like, all right, we're paying you two million. If we pay you six million, that's like triple, right? Or I'm not good with math. Like that's three times your salary right now. If um, I'm Rob, I want whatever uh, the Clippers starting center got. Yeah, like much, centers in this league right like now are making starting about, center in the playoffs. Yeah, starting centers are making about ten million bucks. You know, Tristan Thompson's making ten million bucks right now in the Celtics. Uh, so he'll want at least that extension talk, I would imagine, um, and. You know, the Celtics, we still don't know who Brad is as GM, but Danny really didn't extend anybody. He didn't extend Smart. I mean, they took Smart all the way to the market and waited about two weeks to finally squeeze him for that, you know, $13 million a year deal that they ended up getting that was pretty good there. So I think the Celtics organizationally feel pretty good about uh, taking guys to free agency, and especially with restricted free agent rights like they'll have with Rob. Um 
if he, they have any injury concerns or anything on the open market prevents guys in a loaded class next year from uh, offering him an offer sheet, you, you could really be keeping Rob on his second contract on a very cheap figure, like no more than $10 million a year, I think. Unless he explodes and is an all-star, like Jimmy said. And at that point, uh, you might be looking at Rob walking out the door. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Chris. Anybody hey, good else? Good talking with you. Yeah, you too, man. I hope, uh, hope we hear from you again. All right, Chris. Yeah, appreciate it. Come back, join us. We're here uh, pretty much every week. So if anyone yeah. else wants to hop on, we'll take you. I saw uh, Chris, Chris Latimer is here with us. Um, Hopping on now, Chris. Using my picture from my um, the, let me tell you the story of this picture, Jimmy. I <laughs> I went to this? go get interview. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, was, I must have been a Sorry. sophomore in college or something, and um, someone wanted to interview me for like this uh, entrepreneuring thing, and they saw I was doing this and that with CLNS, so they wanted me to interview me about it. Yeah, and so they wanted a picture. It must have been a riveting, it. riveting interview. Am I on that? Yeah. Well, oh, I'm sorry. telling you, you decided to jack my picture there, so I was going <laughs> to tell everybody the story. I'm a big I fan. Was wear, I always <laughs> wear a, um, I always wear winter hats during the winter. Like pretty much every day, I'm going to be throwing a winter hat on. Okay. And you know what that does to your hair, Jimmy? I, I do. And, it's and just, not good. Just look at that picture there. That's that is winter hat hair. That is quintessential. That, that's tough. If I knew, I, yeah. If I, if you knew you were going to get your picture taken, you would not have had the winter hat. No. On. Yeah. So there it is. I've seen you in the chat before, Chris. So I just want to explain that story. Oh, it's fine. You... <laughs> See, Chris, Chris, now you have to talk, though, because we called you up. All right. Thanks for calling. I didn't know you guys were going to – I thought I was, like, way past the line. But anyways, um, what do you guys think about Thomas Sadoransky? I mean, I heard some rumors that he might Oh, that's be... a good one. There's a uh, chance because Lonzo Ball might be interested in the Bulls or something like that. Thanks. That's a really good one. He – um. So are you familiar with Sadoransky, Jimmy? I mean, I, I I know who he is, but I don't know how familiar I am with his play, point so guard he, type player, shooting guard type player. Yeah, he was John Wall's backup point guard with the Wizards. Um, yeah. For most of the time, I knew of him, and then he, I think he signed with the Bulls last summer. Um, so he was the backup point guard with the Bulls last summer, and. He's playing with the Czech Republic in these Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, so he went out there. There was a tournament up in Canada, I think, for that last Olympic spot. And uh, he went out there and pretty much beat Canada on his own. Um, a real solid facilitating point guard. Uh, makes $10 million bucks, so he fits perfectly in the Hayward TPE. Uh, so the Celtics wouldn't have to give up any money to get him. And if, uh, like I think Chris, Chris was his name, Chris said right there. If the Bulls, yes, awesome passer, hits the mid-range, can hit threes, just does a little bit of everything as a backup point guard. And on a one-year, $10 million deal, um, I think that's all you're really looking for in terms of a backup point guard. I, I love this guy's game. And the best part about it is if the Bulls are really just trying to clear space and uh, you know get enough room to make a big offer to Lonzo Ball, um you're just pretty much eating 10 million bucks if you're the Celtics. You're not really giving up anything there. You're just taking this guy's money. Huh. Okay. So, so he does only have 5 million of his contract guaranteed. 
Yeah, so you know maybe so wait, the Bulls ask back up like, a little uh, bit. Back up, back up a little bit. What makes him available? If the Bulls want to go out and get Lonzo, okay, um, this ties into Lonzo. Gotcha. Yeah, obviously okay. the Bulls would be one of those teams that's in play to mm-hmm. make him an offer. And if they want to be competitive or whatever, you know they have Vucevic on the D, on the books for twenty six. You have Levine on the books for twenty. Um, I think Thad Young's still going to be on their books next year as well. So they probably have to clear a little bit of space to squeeze ball in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I I think that would be your ideal bet. Because, again, we've talked about you probably don't want to hard cap yourself McConnell. Uh, Mills is nice but doesn't really solve your problem. Uh, Sadoransky, this is going to be your assignment for next week, Jimmy. Go watch the all good tape on Sadoransky. I okay. think you're going to be very impressed. You, you, the YouTube highlight reel will, will make me happier? Yeah, I just think this guy's real solid. I'll pull up his stats from last year. Um, but one year, $10 million. That's that's probably, if we're talking about the plan right now with BL, that's exactly what you want. Last year, he averaged seven points a game, just under five assists a game. Uh, shot 36% from three, 51% from the field, uh, has a real solid mid-range jumper, and that was only on 22 minutes a game. Um, so, again, he's not going to be blowing anybody away, but this guy for five years now has been a solid backup point guard in the league. Okay. I'm, I'm in on that. Listen, I'm in on a legitimate serviceable point guard that can – unlock as i think you've said before bobby we, we want to try to unlock these these couple of star players that the celtics have here stop making them do so many things that they shouldn't have to do like tatum having to do like literally everything on offense so if you're telling me that this is a guy that can take the burden off him a bit then i'm all for it and like you said guy did you say he was in the last year of his deal Yep, so he'll be an yeah. expiring contract. So, yeah, I, I'm all for any move that doesn't tie you into anything past next season. And certainly a guy that, you know, if they like, who knows? I mean, you don't know what can happen. And so. if if you care about, you know, salvaging as much of Hayward as you can, that, that would be that last little bit of the TP there. Right. You, you would get to use <laughs> all that TP in the end. Um, so... If that's important to you too, I think that'll feel really satisfying for everybody. But again, I think the biggest thing there is that if the Bulls are going after someone, I know Dinwiddie just got thrown in there in the chat too. Um, they'll probably be active for someone because they got the money to spend this off season. So you might as well take advantage. And like again, I'm looking at his contract: five millions guaranteed. So they could just cut him. Uh, but then you're eating five million for no reason. If the Celtics just want to take right. on ten million uh, for nothing, then you know I think that'd be something both teams would be interested in there. And that could happen very soon because again, this TP expires on August 16th, um, so it'll be after the draft, um, but probably before other stuff gets happening. You would see that see that come into play there. And the Celtics have some roster spots right now. I think it works out in that sense. Uh, so that's that's a real good move, Chris. I'm glad you brought that one up again. That was actually part of um, – I think Bernadoni threw together like a mock roster for next year um, just in terms of what the Celtics can do. And Sadoransky was on that team. So. Nice. 
you know, he's as good with the cap and what's realistic as anybody else. So if he believes in it, I think it's definitely something that's realistic for this team. So that was, uh, I think that's a good place to end tonight. Um, good move, good value. I think people would be yeah. happy about that move. And if you haven't really heard of Sadoransky, he'll be playing in the Olympics. Yeah, take a look at him. Um, the last thing we should mention is um, Mike in the comments brought up uh, DeJounte Murray's Twitter bio, which apparently has a green heart and a green shamrock in it. So let's start. Let's just let's just call it right now. Murray to the Celtics. Yeah, I've been I mean, pouring we... a little bit of. <laughs> I've been pouring cold water on. And his tweet, his now. tweet is, his tweet is cryptic from yesterday. Rumors can be true and rumors can be false. That's how it starts, and then he kind of goes into a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> that but... stuff never. I love Keith Smith way back when told the story of um, a player in the hallway at one of the games he was at was talking to another player, and it was like, "Watch this," and Keith saw him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tweet out a bunch of emojis like eyes or something like that must have been right around really? the trade deadline <laughs> yeah and he was just telling the other player watch this and he just fired it out there uh so that was one of my favorite yeah, stories I, ever that emoji stuff I, never comes to fruition i know it's sad but it's fun to, it's fun to talk about in the offseason but i think i said this a couple of shows ago i just i just don't know the path that they could get him i don't know why the spurs would be so inclined to trade him to begin with but if oh, they you'd were, rather have, just, you'd rather have him than Smart if you're the Spurs, right? Yeah, I mean a thousand. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no disrespect, but yeah, I mean, he's also signed for more. I don't. I'm, he's signed. He's for more signed years for three too. more he's years. Better at at really good, really good figures. Right. Fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. Um, he's getting better. He's young. He's twenty four. Right, and, uh, it, and it's. I yeah, I, I, searched, just, I, I don't search his name and Celtics, and it's just like basically like a bunch of people people being like, I would love if the Celtics could get him. And I'm like, well, yeah, no shit. Like, obviously, I just you know figure out a way that to make that make sense, and like I'm all for it. But obviously, Jalen Brown's not going to be a part of that package. So you, you really again, it goes yeah. back to if you if, have if, a if you're the asset. Spurs, you're asking for Brown in that deal, right? So. It's a nice so, thought, and you know, I'm sure the Twitter bios will be will be popping all summer. And silly season is right around the corner. We've got a few more games, a few more, um, you know, NBA final games to go here. But we'll do we'll do a lot of these shows like once an NBA free agency is live, and uh, I'm sure that a lot of people will have a lot to say. So, well, you were right. There wasn't a whole lot of buzz around uh, the game tonight in a 20-point blowout, I think we probably would have done better if we did the Australia game just because of how much friends we have there. So we'll see what happens when we get in some of these real games. Yeah. Uh, but as for tonight, that is it. Thanks, everybody, for joining in. If you missed the YouTube show, we were live on YouTube about an hour ago talking about the Olympics and Tatum and Beal and some other stuff. We did Ben Simmons again. For I thought a it was a good show, big, man. Big mixed bag of topics for Sherrod. So, yeah, good show. Uh, pre- Appreciate everybody who tuned in there, here. Thanks for stopping in. We are here every single week, so stay tuned to Celtics CLNS, the YouTube channel. Get your notifications on over there. If we, if we schedule a live stream, if there's breaking news, uh, you'll get alerted right away when we're going live. So uh, we'll be back with John, with Joe Sway, the full cast, I'm sure, next week. And again, yep. hopefully some more news. Hasn't been a lot since that well, whole thing happened. Quiet so. season. This is this is the time where everyone, you know, you 
you can't get news every day, Bob. There's got to be in order. Oh in my order God! For... How about the end of the, the off season? It was like Brad's fired, Danny's fired. That was crazy. Next day, then all Couldn't of a sudden, even take a traded. <laughs> I know. I think they're out of they're out of news for a bit, so they're recharging the batteries, and I'm sure it'll be. It's going to be interesting off season, regardless of really which direct we don't know which direction they're going to go. So for that reason alone, it's going to be pretty interesting. Well, in that case, stay tuned next week for Luigi Datome on the Garden Report. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a treat. All right, see you, everybody. All right, guys, thanks so much.